if you brought your Bible with you today, get that ready, get that out, and uh, let's go over to uh, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Lynn, let's take a moment and pray. Father, we're so thankful today that you're with us, that you're for us and not against us. Thankful for the greater one who lives on the inside. Lord, today as we get into your word, show us what we need to see. Lord, teach us what we don't understand and help us to rise up and fulfill the plan and the purpose that you have for us in our lives today and in these last days of your work during this dispensation of grace. Lord, thank you for every person now. May they have eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts open and receptive, ready to receive and be doers of the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Well, today I want to share with you about um, another passion point. You recall the last two weeks we've been teaching this series that I call Passion Points, discussing why we do what we do. And uh, it's important for us to understand these principles in general, and then, of course, specifically how they apply to our our church, our ministries, and all of us as individuals in the church. But what, what drives your life? You know, what aspects of it are of most importance uh, to you? What we've got to do is avoid what I would call the trap of just basically holding to valuable principles in concept alone, but never actually living them out. And uh, we don't get credit for knowing what to do, but only for doing what we know to do. And so we're not looking just to have high and lofty theory and just have some, uh, you know, noble goals, noble aspirations. No, we're looking to find out what is important in God's heart for us here today and, and to put into practice, have a practical application of those things that we say we hold dear, okay? And so we always really want to do this with any subject that we talk about. Uh, it's, again, no, no extra credit for just knowing the right things. But it's a matter of a life being changed so we live out and reflect the image and character of God so that we are able to represent Him accurately in the earth today. And that, again, comes by what we do with our lives and not just what we've got written in a book somewhere. This is what we believe. Amen? So uh, I made a statement to you couple weeks ago, I want to say it again. When God connects a person to a part of his body, a part of his family, like a local church, a ministry, it is to this end that they are able to identify with the, with the passion, the, the focus, the, the vision of that particular group. The Lord does not assign every group, every church around the world to do the exact same thing the same way. Of course, our overarching goal to win the lost should be a part of every part of the Lord's 
church, but he has us to do things maybe differently than he has some other group to do things. But again, the Lord brings people together, very interesting, various backgrounds, different uh, interests, different gifts, we look different, you know, there's so many differences, but that's not why he brings us together, it's because of what we can do the same, it's, a, it's because of what we can do as a united force that he brings us together. If we'll keep that in mind, we really become something powerful, okay? And so we're endeavoring to go the same direction. I'm, in, I'm doing my best to communicate those things that I believe the Lord wants us to get involved with. What he wants us to be engaged in and uh, things that, uh, that are of value that we are to hold dear in everything we do and be the background, the reason for, uh, why, uh, for why we do it. And so let me encourage you, let it be your passion, your desire to bring the life of God to the lives of other people. Be a part of making someone else's life better than it is. If you're a part of that, well, then you are, you're on board with the vision of the house. With, with what we're endeavoring to do. We're try- I mean, that's a noble goal, don't you think? <laughs> it is. I mean, we want to make people's lives better. But I'm convinced that's what Jesus came to do. John 10.10. 10. And, uh, and, and so we want to continue along those lines. And through both principle and practical application, we want to demonstrate the value of being, number one, grounded in the Word of God. Number two, that we want to be um, engaged relationally with others. And number three, everybody ready for number three here today? These are things that are highly important to us. And so number three, we want to help people. We see them becoming empowered by the Spirit. Empowered by the Spirit. We're talking about the Spirit-filled life. We're talking about Christians walking in the power of the Spirit, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, and experiencing the move of the Spirit in their lives. Amen. Is that of value? Oh, I tell you what, as we go along here, you'll see this is of tremendous value to the Lord, but unfortunately, many people in our day have put this on the shelf. Many ministries and churches have definitely put this on the shelf, and they don't, apparently, they don't value it. Maybe some do in theory, but not in practical application. It's been put, pushed aside, and much of the body of Christ today, they look very powerless. They look weak. They don't look like they serve a supernatural God. They look like just a natural organization with, you know, with some ideals and some godliness to them. Let's look at Acts chapter 1 here now, verse 8. Jesus said in Acts 1, 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Notice what the Lord Jesus said. Now watch when this takes place. This is right before he leaves the earth physically and his physical earthly ministry to be seated at the right hand of the Father. Do you think you would say something important at the end there? Or would you just crack a joke and say, see you guys? (laughs) 
You know, it's kind of like the last thing you do carries extra weight, it would seem. And Jesus said, this is what's important. You guys, you are about to be empowered by my spirit. My spirit is about to come on you in power. This will enable you to be witnesses, to be what I've called you to be, to do what I've called you to do. This was a big thing with the Lord. Now, so much so, you read other parts like of the book of John, you can see that in this whole conversation, he told them what they would do, what their assignment was, how they were to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but then he told them to wait. Then he told them, hold your horses, guys. Before you do something, I want you to go to Jerusalem and sit. (laughs) I want you to go hang out. And they were not allowed by the Lord to do what he called them to do until this power came on them. He did not want them doing this in their own strength, their own ability, their own human wisdom. He wanted them to do it empowered by the Spirit of God. This was important to him. But why is it not important to so many people today? I'm telling you, it's not important to many who know about it. And listen, that's a dangerous position to be in when you have light and don't walk in it. When you know what to do, but purposely say, I'm not going to do it. And I'm, I'm not, uh, my goal is not to judge someone else by externals because that would be unwise. Uh, but I know for us, I know some things. I've got to live it out. We have some light, some revelation from the Lord, and we've got to act on this. You see, uh, you know, Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, he told him in the last days some of the things that would happen, some characteristics of last days events. He said there would be a form of godliness, and there would be those who had a form of godliness but denied the power. He said turn away from them. Don't follow after that. Listen, this is happening in our day. There is a lot more form. People have a form of godliness, and it's not like it's not godly. We thank the Lord. It is godly. There's some positive things, but powerless. They deny the power. That means they know it's there. That means they know it exists, but they push it aside. And we've we've got to avoid that trap of just becoming ritualistic just going through the motions, just doing certain things, but not have the power of the living Christ reflected in all that we do. Again, before Jesus left the earth, he made a big deal of being empowered by the Spirit. But the enemy has worked constantly throughout history, throughout church history, to keep people away from some of these vital components of Christian living. He wants you to try to live the Christian life without the power. It's like he wants you to drive to Seattle without gas. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? How many know when you run out of gas, you got problems? If you're trying to get somewhere, you're on the road. How many know when you're talking about your spiritual life, if you run out of gas, you've got problems? It does. It's when people become uh, disenchanted with things. They become discouraged. They become depressed. They become all kinds of stuff. They're no longer excited about the Word and about coming to church and seeing other, uh, uh, those, uh, other um, people in the family of God. They lose a desire for those things. And it's just kind of, well, it's just simply, you're not a bad person. You're just out of gas. You are. You're just, you're just not living the Spirit-filled life. And this life that we are called to, that we are in, is designed to be lived that way. We need the empowerment of the Spirit of God. Without it, it's just hard. 
But that's why God knew it that way. So he said, don't do it yet. You wait. When power comes, giddy up. Now you can do it. Now you can make it. Now you can get the job done. Now you can do this with joy. Now you can do this for a long time. Now you can put up with people. Now you can handle, you can overcome the attacks. You'll be able to help other people. It's all about fuel. (laughs) It's all about the empowerment of the Spirit of God. And so, again, the enemy works through both deceptive, well, that's the main thing, through deceptive means to try to keep people away from this vital component. There's a current push in many Christian circles to closet all gifts and movings of the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's really sad. But I know some, and again, we're, God bless them, they're saved, but they will tell you, if you ask about the moving of the Spirit or the infilling or baptism in the Spirit, yes, we believe in that. Yes, we believe in these gifts, but we believe they're only for at home. We believe they're, I mean, you'll find some ministries, again, and I don't want to, appear as just against people because I'm not, I'm for anyone who preaches the gospel, but they'll put it on their website, so they're not trying to hide anything. Uh, they'll say, well, well, we just think this is all for at home. But where, what verse is that? What example is that? I don't see that in the Word of God that we should almost like be ashamed of the power of God, the move of the Spirit. Uh, people want this. People need this. There's a hunger in our world for supernatural things. Look at the movies these days. Hmm? So many of them are about supernatural stuff. I mean, this person's got this power. This person's got this ability, this gift, all this supernatural stuff, and people flock to see them. And I think some of it's cool too. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I know the force isn't real, and uh, I know it's ungodly. I still think it's kind of cool, <laughs> you know, to watch. <laughs> but you know what? There's a hunger in me for the supernatural power of God. And I, again, I know so lot, some of that's uh, bad. Some of it gets into witchcraft and all, and I have nothing to do with that at all. I don't, not, don't even watch that kind of stuff. But, you know, there's a hunger in people for the power of God. Who's supposed to have it? The church is. The children of God are supposed to operate in power. Instead of living a helpless life, we're just overcome by all the junk and, you know, just overcome by dire circumstances. No, we are the overcomers. We are supposed to have an answer when people are in desperate need, when people are hurting and in in trouble. Here we are with the power of God, the living Christ flowing through us, and these things are necessary. And so we believe in it, but we just don't think we should practice it at church. I can't accept that because I don't have that in, and I, I'm not saying in any gi- given particular gathering, there are different reasons for different types of meetings, and I understand that principle and value and respect that, but uh, I know some, there are some spirit-filled believers that have, for various reasons, left their spirit-filled, you know, power of God church and, and have gone backwards in their lives. And they know better when they've gone backwards into things where all of a sudden they're not having that anymore. And uh, I think that's, a, that's tragic. I, I know one particular couple that I really like them, and they're saved, and, and I love them and everything. And I see them every maybe couple years, it seems. Um, 
sometimes more frequently, but it seems they always, somewhere in my conversation with them, I don't bring it up, but they bring it up, where they want to explain to me why they go to a certain church. And the reason is because they know that I know what they know. And they, and again, I'm not casting any stones at anyone, and I'm not, it's just something I think on the inside of them says, I know better than this. And their church they go to is fine, a fine church. They're Christians. We love them. But they just don't operate in what these people know. And what they try to do sometimes is explain to me, without me asking again, uh, they say, well, so-and-so, this pastor on the staff and this pastor on the staff, they're spirit-filled. Oh, great. You know, and they believe in this stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, Great. You know, I'm kind of thinking, why are you telling me this? Because if you really want my opinion, I'll give it to you. But they don't, so I don't. Uh, but here's what I would say. I'd say, what are you seeing? What do you see demonstrated to represent God accurately? And I would say, what about your kids? Because you can say, we hold to these principles. We are spirit-filled believers. We value these things. But your kids don't see it. They're growing up, and all they will know in church is sing a few songs, hear a message, and go home. They'll never see anybody healed. They'll never see the power of God in demonstration. They'll never see the anointing come on somebody and absolutely transform their life. They'll just see that other stuff. And that is good. It's right. It's not complete. It's not the complete picture of what God wants to do in his church today, what he wants to do in individuals' lives. And you can say, well, they believe in this. Fine, but what do they see? What's the demonstration? You know, a friend of mine told me about some other people. He said, he was asking them, you know, about their church. And I don't mean to sound negative towards any church. If they preach the gospel, we're one family. All right? We love them and support them. But when people know better, it's a different thing. And uh, he asked them, how come you're going to this church that doesn't even believe in this, this stuff that you do. And they said, oh, they do too. Oh, yeah, they believe in that. I wasn't in the conversation, but I would reply the same way. I would say, but where is it? If I believe something, but it's not lived out, what value is that? Oh, they believe in it. I asked them, yeah, oh, yeah, we believe in that. And they're trying to play both sides of the fence, trying to appeal to everyone. But if I don't see a demonstration of the power of God... As far as I know, you don't believe in it. Hmm. That works for us too, by the way. Oh, I'm spirit-filled. You are? In theory? In aspiration? Or is it lived out? Can you see a demonstration in your life? It's different than if you weren't spirit-filled. All right, we're having fun so far. How many know we are one generation from all of this being lost? If someone doesn't stand up and say, we are going to continue to have the power of God in our lives and in our churches. All right. When people never see or experience the move of God's spirit in their lives, they get used to life without it. They begin to think it's normal. I tell you what, the disciples of Jesus did not come away from being his assistants in his earthly ministry with an idea of church of much of what it looks like today. You follow Jesus around for three and a half years, you kind of think 
if things aren't like really happening, miracles aren't popping, there aren't displays of God on the scene, then something's wrong. And you know what? That's right. That's right. Something's missing if we're not seeing a move of God's Spirit. All through history, all through the Bible, God has desired to show himself strong, to make his power known among men. He's still the same today. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and verse 18, 5, 18, says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Notice the language. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. See, good biblical counsel like this, not only tells you not it not only tells you what to stop doing, it tells you what to start doing to replace it. Amen. The Lord just doesn't want to tell you knock it off, and then you've got this hole, you've got this void, got some kind of blank space in your life. He says, take that out, put this in. Amen. Not only will you be you will you remain full and filled, but it's something better than what you used to have. Amen. It's like Philippians four, where Paul said, stop worrying. Don't be anxious. Don't have anxiety about anything. Stop worrying. But he didn't leave it at that and say, period. Just knock it off. No. He said, don't do that, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He said, stop. He said, don't worry about it. Pray about it. Take one thing out and immediately fill it up with something that's better, something that works. And here he's saying, in this passage, he's saying, stop getting drunk, man. Get spirit-filled. Don't drink all the wine. Drink of the spirit. All right? And, 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 and why do people do it? Well, you know, life sometimes is challenging. Life sometimes um, has some challenges to it, and so it's hard to deal with sober. I don't know if anyone can relate to that. I just need help today. Well, uh, you know, many of you were, were in the world, and that was normal practice. Man, it's been a hard day. I need something to drink. And hopefully you stopped, but maybe you're still there. But here's the advice. Apparently, they were Christians, and some of them were still doing it, or he wouldn't have told them not to. But if you're still drinking your pain away, you know, or you do it with some other kind of substance, or maybe a, uh, an improper relationship, or a lot of things people medicate themselves with, he said, don't do that. Don't get filled with that. Get filled with the Spirit. In other words, there must be some type of parallel here, some type of similarity between being drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit. It has that ability to help you get over it. (laughs) It has that ability to empower and strengthen and make you feel good in the midst of bad circumstances, okay? And this is is important uh, that he told us to do this, And, and it's not in suggestive form. He didn't say you might want to consider you know, it might be a good idea, possibility. Maybe you might just want to be filled with the Spirit. No, it's actually a New Testament command. Don't get drunk with wine. Get filled with the Spirit instead. We are commanded to be Spirit-filled believers. It's interesting. This passage is talking to a Spirit-filled church, right? Acts 19, they were already received the baptism in the Spirit. 
All right? So what's happening here, this in the Greek, it, it bears this out, that this is a continual, ongoing thing that believers are to experience. A continual filling and infilling, a regular refreshing of God's Spirit. If I don't do that, I run dry. If I don't do that, I run out. I don't mean the Lord leaves me, but again, why would he tell me to be continually filled if it were just fill it up, put a cap on it, and you're good to go? Hmm. So it's a command of the Lord that we are to be this. I can't take that lightly. In the, in the world, people drink and they sing. <laughs> they get drunk and they sing drinking songs and, and uh, sing all kinds of songs about various things. Some of them they shouldn't sing about. And, uh, but you re keep reading in this passage, that's what we do too. He said, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Yeah, one of the ways that we stay full of God's Spirit is by, not by singing about uh, dr drinking and sex and stuff. Uh, we sing about the praises of God. Amen. We sing about the victory that we have in Christ, how He has made us glad and set our feet on a rock and made us strong in Him. He has redeemed our lives from destruction, and we sing songs of victory, songs of praise. And what happens? We get filled more and more. We're just getting filled more and more. This is necessary. The next chapter talks about marriage. How many think that's important? How many know if you're spirit-filled in your marriage, you are easy to get along with? How many know you're not spirit-filled on the same day you break dishes? You're not spirit-filled on the same day that you are hard to get along with and everything grinds at you. And, and you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. All right, we'll move on. I'm just telling you, being filled with the Spirit... Not only is for empowerment for living and, and these other things, it'll help us in every area of our lives. Being full of God is of tremendous value. All right? Let's look at Mark 16. Mark chapter 16 and verse 17. Again, these are some of the other words that Jesus spoke right before his departure, when he went to be seated at the right hand of the Father. He said, and these signs will follow those who believe. These what? These signs. He went on to say, um, in my name they'll cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. I won't go through and teach on all these things today, but you can see that the intended lifestyle of the one who believes is one that's supernatural, is one that is empowered by God himself, and supernatural things should be a result. It, if it is normal for me to never see a display of God changing a person's life, doing the impossible, then my normal is wrong. My normal is goofed up from the pattern and the standard that the Lord set out that we should live. Normal should be what we hear in our testimonies every week. Amen. Normal should be what we see in, a, in some of the different ministries that we have around here. People are being saved. People are being healed. People are being set free. Uh, lives are being put back together. Those who are destitute have gone from, the, you know, the guttermost to the uttermost. And people's lives are being turned around, not just by something that any good program could put together. But no, God's spirit came on a person. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I want to, man, I want people to know not only the Lord through the written word. I want people to know him through 
the things that he does in their lives. I want my kids to be able to, 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 to know that people being changed by God's almighty power is a normal part of Christianity, is a normal part of living for him. Not that, oh, yeah, I heard of that happening somewhere on the other side of the planet. Man, that's not right. That's not right. We need to be seeing these things as a normal part of our lives. You know, Jesus said in John 4 and verse 48, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Now, he's not complimenting them there. <laughs> but we should recognize the value of bringing a gospel with a demonstration of God's power. What's going to happen? More people are going to believe. If not, I not only have a word, but I have something to back up that word. I've seen many times in talking with people who are lost, not in the church, I've seen it there too, but outside of the church, to where I get an opportunity to pray for people and minister to them. And the power of God, it seems, is just so easy to flow right into them. People who don't even, they weren't even asking God for anything that day. <laughs> they weren't praying, Lord, send a Christian across my path. <laughs> Somebody was probably praying that. Uh, but there I am. And not only did they, get, did they get to hear a word from the Lord, he loves you, he died for your sins, he gave his life for you so you can be forgiven and be saved. But you've got a problem, and the Lord loves you and wants to touch you right now. And I've seen, I mean, I don't mean every time, I don't want to exaggerate, but in some situations I've seen people be shocked at the power of God, how their body is set free, and they're like, you know, and then they say things that you can't even say because that's the only way they know how to respond. And they like, wow. And uh, others looking on say, are you serious? You know, I remember one guy who bent over his back and he was in pain. He was like, oh, he could barely bend over at all. And, uh, and after I laid hands on him and ministered to him, he bent all the way over. And there were some other people around there. One of them asked, they're looking at him. Are you serious? <laughs> you know, they're wanting to make sure that, you know, maybe he and I didn't have something you know, staged or something there. I'd never, I'd never seen the guy before <laughs> or since. But uh, power of God was on display. And people not only hear a message, God loves you, wants to do something, wants to change your life forever. He wants to work in you now. Then they see it. That, you know, not all of us needed that. And that's complimentary. <laughs> but you know what? Some people are there. God wants you to represent him in that way. He wants us to bring forth all that he is, all that he can do. Not be afraid to believe God in the midst of impossible circumstances. Go to 1 Corinthians 2. See, Paul brought out this same principle here when he talked about his ministry, how it wasn't just about words. If we think that, that the only thing God wants to do is talk, we've, we're missing something. He wants to talk, but through those words, bring about supernatural alterations in people's lives. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 4, okay? Uh, Paul wrote, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Notice what he said. I wasn't just all about talk. I was about talk and walk. It's about talk and demonstration. He said, The gospel I preached to you, you could see it. 
you could see the results of it. With your physical eye, you could see that God was doing things. And I don't want to be in that trap again. You know, I, I remember on the airplane one time, I was flying back to Boise from somewhere, don't remember, years ago. And I got in a conversation with this guy. He was from Texas, and, and he was a real nice guy. And he was telling me about, all his, about his church and everything. And, and uh, he was a Christian man. But in the middle of it, he said to me, he said, our church, we don't preach all that healing stuff like some places do. We just preach the gospel. Really? Because if I read the Bible, Acts 14, Paul preached the gospel and a guy got healed. How does that work? I'm thinking the gospel and the power that heals people and changes is the same thing. And if I'm preaching a gospel without that, I'm only preaching part of it. I'm not given the whole thing. And I don't imply that I know everything about the gospel there is to know. I'm in a learning, growing process, but what I do know, I must live. What the Lord has shown me, I must declare. And I'm not going to act as if I'm, as a child of God, as if I'm weak and incapable of bringing change to a person's life. That's not true. What if someone's offended by it? Jesus is a, a, a stumbling stone to some. But we must not back off. And we will not back off of the power of God, the Spirit-filled life. I want to help people to get there. Three things the Spirit-filled life will um, help you in. The value of the Spirit-filled life. Three things. Number one, the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 gives us nine. When a person first receives the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, that is the doorway into the rest of the supernatural gifts of God. And if I cut off that, that indwelling presence and, and that infilling of the Holy Spirit, there goes the revelation gifts and the power gifts and the vocal gifts. All those things go out the window. I no longer, I'm not open to move in the rest of what God wants to do. Gifts of the Spirit are nice. They're good. Number two, number two, what is the value of the Spirit-filled life? Empowerment for life and service. Empowerment. Remember Jesus said, You'll receive power from on high, and you'll be my witnesses. So for me just to live the Christian life, I can try to do that. But you know what? When I'm filled with God's Spirit, that's a whole other deal. I'm now enabled to do it. I can now overcome like I couldn't overcome before. I'm telling you what, some of you, there's some of you in here, you're saved, but you haven't been filled with the Spirit. I'm telling you, giddy up. Giddy up. Listen. My job as a pastor, I want to help people have victory and, and bring the life of God. I can do it a lot better if you've got gas in the tank. I really can. If you're dragging in here, uh, I mean, you're a, you're a work. <laughs> it's a lot more work to get you over the hill. You're operating on that sewing machine engine, you know. It's time to get something under the hood. Whoa. Whoa. I can't give the specifics. Maybe Rick can help me there, but I just know. <laughs> don't don't human beings just like power? I mean, wouldn't you rather you're get, getting on the freeway and getting up to speed, just be able to go? And that just feel good. Maybe that's a man thing. I don't know. I mean, do you want a car? If you want to buy a car, do you want manual everything? 
Or do you want, give it to me fully loaded. A button for everything. If you can tie it to my optical nerve, that would be great. I want to control things. <laughs> you know, you think about people surf on the ocean. Yeah, how many know the ocean is a pretty powerful force? People surf those massive waves. Why? They just want to control it. They want to be in charge. They want to conquer things of power. And, uh, you know, people ride bulls, you know, cowboys and stuff, ride bulls. I mean, I think that's dumb. <laughs> but I understand the principle. It's like, man, that massive animal, and they're going to not be overcome by it, but overcome it and stay on that thing. People want to operate in this. And I tell you what, it's a godly thing that we desire something bigger than ourselves. We desire to be involved in something more powerful than ourselves. And, uh, and, and the Spirit of God wants to be that in our lives and help us. So empowerment for life and service. You can't do what you're called to do, not to the extent God wants you to do it, without the infilling of the Spirit. All right, and number three, an upgraded prayer life. What's the value? An upgraded prayer life. A lot of Christians are praying way down here. That means they're limited only by what they know in their mind. And if they don't know about it, they can't pray about it. But that's why 1 Corinthians 14 tells us that you can pray in the Spirit. It's called praying in other tongues. You pray in the Spirit. You're able to pray about stuff. You're able to get out there and pray about things your mind doesn't even know about. You're able to pray out the mysteries of God, things that are a mystery to you. You don't even have a clue, but here it comes out of you. Here it comes being taken care of, and your prayer life is greatly enhanced when you're able to pray in the Spirit. Okay, let me finish with this. The way that we accomplish these principles, this value, this passion point in our church, uh, a number of things, here's a few of them. We have a class called Holy Spirit 101, and uh, we do that every month. If you've never been filled with the Spirit, received the initial infilling and baptism in the Spirit, you need to get to that class next time it's offered. Go sign up. It'll teach you what you need to know, and you'll have that initial first experience that'll be powerful in your life. It's why we do that. If we didn't value this, we wouldn't make a big deal of it. You'd come seek us out if you wanted to but we give opportunity. Secondly, it's why we have believers meetings, all right? I understand that what takes place in a weekend service, which is primarily worship and the teaching of the Word of God, is not the sum total of all God wants to do in a church. We have some gifts of the Spirit manifest in these services, but I tell you what, when we have our, our midweek believers meeting, the whole service is given to that. It's just all about the gifts of the Spirit and God moving and, and manifesting and the glory of God coming on people. And it's a, it's a powerful thing. But I tell you what, a lot of believers have no idea what that kind of stuff is about. All they know is churches sing the songs, hear the Word, and that's it. And there's more to God than that. Amen. Also, on some of those nights, we do healing meetings as well. We pray for the sick. But it, it's the reason we have healing teams. We believe in that spirit-filled ministry, that pe believers are empowered to bring healing to people. People go out into the city, into the hospitals, and the nursing homes. They're up here after services praying for people. I have stacks of testimony reports of people being healed by the power of God. I mean, they, and they come in regularly all the time. A lot of those um, we don't read every week. Those are a diff different testimonies, but... Uh, people get healed right over, over here just on a regular basis. The power of God is manifest. 
Why do we do that? We value this spirit-filled life. We want to represent God in that area. It's why we have prayer meetings. Why? We pray in the spirit. We, you know, that's a part of the spirit-filled life is you pray. Say, I'm spirit-filled, but do you pray? Because <laughs> that's one of those outflows of that type of life. It's why we have special meetings. It's why we do camps. It's why we have conferences. All these things give us an opportunity to help people continually be filled, be filled, be filled, not just with the Word, but with the Spirit of God. You see, this is one of those areas that we are never going to back down from, all right? It's a dangerous thing to have light and not walk in it. We are going to use what we have. We are going to act on what we know, and we will see an ever-increasing move of God's Spirit in our church and in our lives. What would the Lord have us to do? When I listen to Him, He doesn't say, draw back. He doesn't say, shy away from the fullness of my power and what you know. No, it's kind of like, stir it up. Let's get going. Let's get moving forward. There's an old saying that says, if you have all word and no spirit, you dry up. If you have all spirit and no word, you blow up. But if you have the spirit and the word, you grow up. Amen. And so we're endeavoring to have a perfect balance to the best that we're, we know. Perfect balance of bringing the fullness of what God wants us to walk and live in and experience both in our corporate gatherings like this and in our individual lives. Amen. We value the Spirit-filled life. Praise God. Father, we love you today. Lord, we thank you for your blessings and your favor upon us. Thank you for your grace that is sufficient for our lives. You're helping us to see these things so we can increase to recognize it so we can go higher, so we can move forward, we can move on and experience and let it flow through us, the power of the living God. Lord, like they had in the early church, I thank you that we have these same things available to us today. And we thank you for the Spirit of God that works in us to direct us in this pathway. You're helping us, Lord. You're helping us. There's not a situation too difficult for you. There's not a circumstance that anyone here today deals with that they cannot overcome through you. And so, Lord, we invite your miracle-working power. We invite your ever-indwelling presence. You are our most faithful God. We acknowledge this as true. Say this out loud with me today. Say, Father God, work in me. Do a work in my life that cannot be explained naturally. Do a work through me beyond what I'm capable of doing, beyond my natural ability. May I tap into your supernatural ability. May Jesus be glorified in all that happens. I give you all the praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God is so good. Amen. I want to get everyone's attention here today.